0: Hey, folks. Welcome in to another episode of a Syracuse basketball podcast. We're joined this week with a special guest, Tommy Hogan, former host of Double Down at ESPN Radio Syracuse, now of the New York Post. Tommy's Colts got a win today earlier. If you're joining us live on Sunday night, uh, if you're hearing this on Monday, it would be yesterday.
2: Uh, Tommy, welcome in. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm living off of unbelievable Colts win. What a game that was. I'm, I'm glad everybody had to sit through that one just like I did. The one real thing I Barnburner. will say, it's nice to see the Patriots be that bad now. It's awesome.
0: That's right. A uh, real barn burner 10 6 contest. Pat's uh, down. Yeah, good to see. We all like that up in Central New York.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, to- Tommy, we'll kick it off. It's the second episode of a Syracuse basketball podcast. We had Christian on last week. Think a proper way to start the show is just tell us a little bit about you and your story and, and your background. Uh, knowing you, we, we kind of have a little bit of a similar background, and that we're Central New York kids. You're down in New York City, uh, kind of grew up under the influence of Syracuse. You went to Syracuse, graduated, but uh, I'll, I'll let you tell it. Tell our audience uh, just about you and, and your background.
2: Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Syracuse. Ended up going to Syracuse, got my undergrad there, and then during COVID. Go back to school, got my master's at Syracuse. And now uh, I went to, I worked at ESPN Radio Syracuse, like you mentioned, co host a radio show, double down to the gambling show with Michael Lear, had you on plenty of times, James, talking Q's hoops. Um, produced Brent's show while doing that, as well as before co hosting uh, my show, was at ESPN Radio Syracuse for four years. And then New York City was always a goal of mine, always wanted to come down here. And I finally made that happen a little over a year ago. Uh, Now working for the New York Post as a digital producer for their sports video page. So that's been a lot of fun. Love covering all the national teams. We got Tommy DeVito now as the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. So I can bring some of that with me. Unbelievable. He's playing right now. Cannot believe that that guy's a starting quarterback. I'm rooting for him. Became a fan of his when he, he was on Brent's show every week. Great guy. Awesome to work with. Easy to work with. He had a fan in me, so Tommy DeVito, starting quarterback for the New York Giants. But yeah, now I'm uh now I tweet about Syracuse basketball rather than being able to talk about it on uh, my radio show every every day.
0: There we go. Tommy DeVito, starting quarterback of the New York Giants, still living at home, still eating chicken chicken cutlets from his mom, living Getting the life. So that's that's the dream right there. I don't know how yeah, it's better than that, but. uh yeah, but before I met you, uh, I think we had a few interactions on Twitter, and I saw a photo of you, a young you and Carmelo Anthony, and I believe you got him on the show at one point. So so what? tell me about that photo first and then uh, just, just how you, you were able to interact
2: with Carmelo and, and what was that like for you? So the first time that I interacted with Carmelo was my mom said we were going to a cousin's birthday party. So I'm sitting in the back seat. And then all of a sudden we go by my cousin's house, and I'm like, "What are we doing?" I thought I thought we were going there for a birthday party, and she just keeps going, and we end up at the Carrier Dome, and we end up waiting outside of stadium control before a practice. I think it was the last game of the regular season of the 2003 team. Oh wow! Okay. 2003 regular season, Carmelo Anthony's only year Syracuse. Obviously, anybody watching this right now knows that, and. I'm standing there freezing with a basketball in my hands, shaking, half from being too cold, half from, oh, my God, I'm about to meet my heroes, basically. Yeah, These guys, I, I I grew up going to Syracuse games since I was three years old. My family's had season tickets, football and basketball, since before the Carrier Dome was built. Syracuse is in my blood. So I'm standing out outside stadium control, pumped to meet these guys. And Carmelo Anthony starts driving by, and my mar- my mom starts yelling, Carmelo, Carmelo, come here, come here, come here. Make sure Carmelo comes to the door, comes to where we are. I get Carmelo's autograph. I get that picture taken with him. Um, I get the whole team, walk-ons included, Andrew Cowie. And then um, another picture is at the parade when they won the national championship. It's now uh, my Twitter header. Yeah. Um we're just making eye contact. I somehow got right up next to Carmelo Anthony at the parade and we're just staring each other down. And that's he had a fan for life. I followed the whatever some people will ask me, what's your NBA team? Carmelo Anthony. Now I don't have one, obviously, because <laughs> he's retired, but he was I followed him wherever he went, and I don't have an NBA team now. I'm waiting for Kyrie. There you go.
0: So so let's get into it here. Um, you know, we're we're two games into the Syracuse basketball season. Um, but before we talk about the hoops, though, Syracuse is now 2-0 in the script uniforms to start the year. Tommy, I don't think it's very controversial, but, but what's your take on the script uniforms? And, and if they are here to stay, uh, what's, what's your thoughts on that?
2: You got to wear them. They're one of the best uniforms in college basketball. They're awesome. They're, they bring back the nostalgia. The Syracuse script is as good as it gets for a logo in college sports. Wear the jerseys. If the guys like wearing them, now we used to think that they, were, they, they didn't play well enough. The first couple of years. Now that they're two and zero, we've kind of getting that off. Now, if you, you you beat Colgate with them, I think now you can say, all right, these are good to go. They
0: got to be here to stay. If you but beat they... Colgate in the script uniforms, you got to bring them out to Maui. It's got to happen. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: So, uh, so, so we'll talk about basketball. We'll, we'll talk about the actual basketball here. Yeah, Syracuse two and zero for you know through the first two games. Take us back in the preseason. Kind of your early impressions of the team, and then through the first two games, what what stood out to you?
2: The defense is what stood out to me early. We saw the first game, the first 10 minutes, they looked elite defensively. Their perimeter defense, I think, can be really good. Now Man-to-man. Man.
0: I don't know if you've heard. They're playing man-to-man. Man. They
2: play man-to-man man now. I know yeah. for a while, everybody, 2-3 zone, you got man to play man-to-man. Well, now there's nothing that people can complain about. They're playing man-to-man. Man. We're going to see if that's if the people were right for the last two years when they were saying against Colgate, you're down 15, play man-to-man. Man, we're going to see this week if they were right. Yeah, that's what stood out to me early, James, was that the perimeter defense on this team can be really good. And that's without Chance Westrio, I think would have made it even better. Another guy that I think can guard probably three, maybe even four positions. We, who knows if we'll see him this year? But Judah can get right up in guys' grills. Nobody's really going to be able to get by him in terms of athleticism. Like he is going to be, he's going to be able to out athlete whatever guard is on him. So So is JJ. Kyle Cuff really stood out. I'm been impressed with him. He's got putback dunks at six one pin blocks. I know he got a, a dunk blocked, but he's been really impressive. He can also shoot a lot better than I expected. Um, and then who's and then Quadeer Copeland? Quadeer, Quadeer Copeland can guard four different guys, but if you put him out on the perimeter, he's going to be aggressive and he's going to be able to keep guys in front of him. His hand, he's got long arms. He's the He's energy at all times. Everybody knows that. Something happens when Quadir Copeland has the ball. Now that's something, something that's not always good, but something happens when he does. And that's the case on defense, too. Something happens when he is near the ball. You can but be that's guaranteed what's something
0: will happen when Quadir Copeland has the ball. Uh, the guy wants to make plays. Yes. Mostly mostly good, sometimes a little overzealous, but a little uh, bit. alas, that's that's Quattier Copeland. That's the Quadir Copeland experience. Uh you mentioned uh, Chance Westry, and, and speaking of guys who haven't been available. Benny Williams, he's been suspended for the first two games in the last exhibition game of the season. Uh suspended the first two games. He's expected to rejoin the team. He's practicing now. He's gonna he's gonna be available for the Colgate game. Uh Tommy, what, what should we expect out of Benny Williams? Is is he gonna start in this game? And more importantly, just what what can he bring in this game where he set out the first two games? What should what should Syracuse fans expect from him?
2: One, I think I do think he's gonna start. You okay. started that first exhibition game. I don't think that'll change because, like, like, you've got Maui coming up. You want that to be your starting lineup. That's what will match up against. Uh, they've got Tennessee first. They got Purdue or Gonzaga. Like that. That's the lineup that's going to match up best against them. So I think you start Benny. You need that forward. We. I, it's part of why I say the perimeter defenses is stuck out because. Justin Taylor, he can't guard fours. I mean, especially against Tennessee and Purdue or Gonzaga. Like, he's just not going to be able to guard power forwards. You need Benny to be able to guard those fours for you. We saw connect on Tennessee at a big game against Wisconsin. That's who Benny's going to be guarding him. That's who you yeah. need to, to guard him. So um, I don't disagree
0: with your point. Has Justin Taylor played well enough to to earn a starting position?
2: Yes. I do. I think that's where it gets
0: interesting, right? Because Chris Bell, we know he was he was the starter last year, but maybe he's pressing a little bit this year. So I I think it gets really interesting, especially if Autry is willing to to you know punish Benny. Maybe he doesn't start him that first game versus Colgate. But your your point stands. I think I agree with you in that you know if if you are going to go to the Maui, you're going to be playing a a bigger Tennessee team, a bigger Gonzaga or Purdue in that second round. You're going to need Benny Williams for those games.
2: Absolutely. And it also kind of matters like what happened. We still don't know exactly what happened. Like, does he, was the three games a punishment enough or does he need a little bit more punishment? Like does he need to earn his way back onto the team as well to go along with the three game suspension? But if you want this team to be the best team that it can be, Benny Williams has to start a power forward and has to make, he made a little bit of a jump last year. He needs to make the jump and needs to do it consistently in order for this team to be a tournament team and to be as good as we all think they can be.
0: No doubt. And going back to your point on the suspension, I mean, I I do respect Autry's decision to not only just to suspend him and force it, but I I think he's got to give the media and fans a little bit more. Um, I understand you want to protect your player. You want to protect your program. I think he's going to need to give us a little bit more of what happened behind the scenes. If you don't do that, I think it opens it up to, you know, speculation and that sort of stuff, which we've seen. So. Um, hopefully he can give us a little bit more with not, without saying too much. But, but let's let's transition into that Colgate game. Yeah, you know, we we talk about Benny; he's going to be back for that game. Obviously, we know the history. Syracuse has lost two straight to Colgate. What should we expect this year? Can can Syracuse get over the hump? Can they end that streak? And does the defense play any factor here? Where the last two years, Colgate's come into the dome; they've shot the lights out. Does just the defensive switch is that enough? for Syracuse to get over the hump and and get back in the win column in this series.
2: It's not just a defense switch. It's Tucker Richardson's not there any longer. You can't get get 30. 30 You can't
0: get 30 in this game.
2: Right. You don't have Tucker Richardson able to get 30 on you this, this year. And that helps. I also think you have a Syracuse team that like, like, so last year you go into this Colgate game. I think a lot of them thought "Ah, last year was a fluke. Colgate hadn't beaten us in what? 56 years, 58 years, whatever it is. Now that they've done it two years in a row, this is a game I think Syracuse has had circled on their schedule since the offseason. I know as a fan, I have. This is a huge game, I think, for Syracuse and Adrian Autry to prove this is the red era. This is the next, the next era in Syracuse basketball is now. It's not going to take till next year. It's now because I've switched to man to man, and this is my first sign of okay, this is we're beating Colgate like we did for 56 or whatever years in a row. I think they get it done. I do think the man-to-man defense will help because Colgate's a team that will, will just ball movement, movement you to death and find the open shot. You, you're not you're not able to do that as well offensively. You're going to have to run an offense. You're going to have to set screens. You're going to have to have guys get by. And I don't know if Colgate really has the guards to. They have the guards that can stand on the three-point arc and, and, and hit threes, pass it to the high post, let that guy dish out. They don't have a, the guys, I don't think, to get by Syracuse get up uh, shots on Naheem McLeod at the rim. Um, so I do think Syracuse finally is able to beat Colgate. And what's a gigantic James game, James? I don't know if you felt the same way that I have, but, like, this is a game I've been looking forward to since Adrian Auschie took over even. Like, let's see if Syracuse can beat Colgate now.
0: It's, it's such a meaningful game now because y- you have them on the schedule early in the season – you want to work through your stuff. You want these games to be kind of tune-ups, but you get them right before the Maui. That's It's just such a tough place to have it in the schedule. I, I agree with you. I think Syracuse will get over the hump in this game. I, I do think the defensive switch and some of the loss of Colgate's personnel, as we already discussed, uh, I, th- I think it will be enough for them to, to get over the hump in this game, especially the way Judas looked in the early
2: season, which uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But You mentioned having it before Maui. I kind of like that, James. Like, now you have a game, like, if it was just Drexel, any, I don't know, any any other non-conference cupcake that you're going to schedule, that doesn't do much for your confidence. But now that this is a team that has beaten Syracuse, whether you beat them by 20 or or you beat them by five, it's a confidence boost for, for this team. So I, I kind of like that it's Colgate right before a loaded Maui Invitational.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. It could go both ways, right? You lose the game; sure. this could be a confidence killer. But yeah, you get over the hump. You, you get a win against them, a team that you haven't gotten in the last couple of years. Now maybe you're a little bit more confident going into that Tennessee game. So, so that's a good point. You, you know, let, let's circle back to the forward group a little bit. We we talked about Benny Williams rejoining this team. What does that mean for the other forwards? D- does it mean anything for Malik Brown, who's maybe played some center but also played you know forward in the past? And then for a guy like Justin Taylor, who, yeah, probably has played well enough to earn a starting position. But you've got Chris Bell, who's, you know, I think there's a fine line between playing aggressive, enforcing the issue a little bit. And right now it looks like Chris Bell is just really trying to force the issue to get get his rhythm going. What, what does Benny Williams' return mean for the rest of the forward group?
2: Well, we'll start with Malik Brown, who you mentioned first. I think he's going to be the backup center on this team. Yeah, We have not seen Munir Hema yet. Am I mistaken? I don't think we have. Right. We haven't. We haven't.
0: And neither in the preseason exhibitions either.
2: So I don't know if that's injury. I know they mentioned before the season he had some knee things going. So that could be injury. But like I, they, Autry was saying, he like William Patterson played and he was like, well, I know what Munihima can do. I don't really know what Patterson can do. So I do think Hima can is available. But I just think that he they want to play smaller. They want to play more athletic. They have the ability to now with man-to-man. So I, I think Malik, his his minutes at four will obviously be affected with Benny back. But I think he's still going to find plenty of minutes as the backup center. Um, Justin Taylor just has to play. Whether that's for Benny or Chris Bell, he's going to find his minutes. I don't think this really impacts him. He might even start. Like he, I hadn't really thought about that, honestly, James, before you had mentioned it. He might start over Chris Bell. You're right. Now, maybe that's a bad look if Benny comes back from suspension and Chris Bell is the one losing his job in the starting rotation. I don't know about them. Autry would have to know the message that that sends to his team. Right. But that could end up being the best the best lineup for them. Because yeah. Justin Taylor has looked really good. He provides the same, if not better, shooting that Chris Bell does. And that's what yeah. this team needs is that shooting. Um, And he's he, he can rebound better than Chris Bell. He's stronger yeah. than him. He can rebound better than him. So I, I would not mind that. I, I kind of like that. Um, but Kredir Copeland, this probably affects because we've seen that they're going to play cuff at the, the I think he's going to be the first guard off the bench. So yep. Copeland, um, I think this impacts him a little bit. But That's really about it. I think the rest of the the, the forwards are, are going to get their minutes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Chris Bell, we, we've seen what he can do. We've seen his ability to shoot it. He proved that last year. You know, he, he had the put back dunk in the last game. We've seen his you know kind of ability to get up there and do it. Um, but I think Justin Taylor just gives you a little bit more with the rebounding there. Plus, against the zone too. I mean, I think we've seen Justin Taylor in the high post of the zone, his ability to get in there, turn, make a shot, or make a pass. Um, I really like him as that high post guy in the zone.
2: Yes, but- yeah, they, we we saw that uh, the last game. They, he, you trust Justin Taylor at the high post against his own for sure. He's made he, yeah. he's money from that spot mid range. I know Chris Bell is pretty good mid range, but that's mostly we have only seen that off the dribble. So yeah, touch and shoot Justin Taylor, I like that a little bit better than, than Chris Bell.
0: Exactly. Yeah, And we've seen, you know, we've heard Autry say in the preseason and in the early going here, he's he's a guy you can rely on in Justin Taylor. He's dependable. He yeah. doesn't get too high. doesn't get too low. Something to watch there for sure. But let's turn the page to the guard group. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff out there, but with Judah Mintz coming in, he's he's played really good the first two games, I think anyway, um, career high of 26, po- 26 points in the last game. 8 to 15 from the floor. I don't know if you've seen any about that. It seems like fans uh, are are a little bit maybe disappointed with his lack of development. I'm a little bit confused by this. I don't know if you are. Uh, I guess there's an argument to be made that maybe he's not passing the ball as much, that maybe there are opportunities for him to find some of his teammates instead of forcing a shot. But to to me, that's kind of his game is he wants to get into the lane. He wants to get fouled, draw contact and make a play. If Judah Mintz is going to go out there and shoot eight of fifteen every night, you know, and get twenty six points, I, I'm good with that. I, I don't know, Tommy. Are, are you okay with
2: that? The development, I don't think, is a fair criticism. I, I, if I had to guess, people are saying that because we haven't really seen the three point shot develop. Yeah. But he really he, he, he was is.
0: two or three last game. He was two sure. or three. He isn't one.
2: Right, exactly. He's shooting well percentage wise, but I think people wanted to see him take more and make more. And I think I don't. I think he'll do it once we need it. Syracuse hasn't needed him to shoot threes yet. Um, Now I will say, I think like the defense has been what I've been most uh, impressed with to start the year. I I want Judah to, to facilitate a little bit more. I guess that would be my one thing. He's unbelievable getting to the foul line. One of the best in the country at getting to the free throw line. And he shoots great from there. So that's huge. You want him getting to the rack. You want him getting to the free throw line. But I do think, and I think Benny will help. Because I think that's a guy that he trusts to drive to the basket, dish, and do something with it. And I also think a lot of it is they just haven't been together as a team yet. Like the first exhibition game, June is out. So you haven't played as a team yet. Benny then gets suspended. That The, the lineup that will be on the court most has not – we haven't seen once yet this season. So I think once that gets going, the offense will get going, and Judah will be able to distribute and facilitate a lot better. But that would be my one critique for him so far is that just – just not enough playing point guard and a lot of getting to the rack, getting his own, which is, is good to see. And I, I know the NBA scouts, I'm sure, like liking to see that. But I don't know if that's what is going to be the best for Syracuse. The best for Syracuse, I think, this year is there are two guards that are great at getting downhill and Judah and JJ getting downhill, either getting to the foul line or kicking out to Chris Bell, Justin Taylor, Benny Williams for three.
0: Long-term, it'll it'll be important for Judah Mintz to be able to play, make, and recognize the open man and make that play. Yeah. Um, the, the one guy you just mentioned that we haven't spent much time discussing is, is J.J. Starling. He certainly hasn't had any trouble finding his teammates. Um, you know, Off of defensive rebounds, he's looking to push, find guys in transition. Had a career-high seven assists in that last game. What have you made of his start and his ability to play? One of the things that I've noticed is he hasn't also – really been forced to shoot threes he wants to take guys off the dribble and he's such a big physical guard he wants to get in there and score but uh what have you made of of jj starling's start at syracuse
2: i think he's still really trying to find his role in the offense um he's a he's a similar player to judah so that's going to create like finding each other's spots knowing all right this is a possession where i'm going to try to get to the rim here this is possession where Judah right now it's your turn to, to get to the rim and caught and facilitate here. Um, but he's very strong. He can get to the rim. He yeah. can finish very well. He can finish with both hands. Um, I've, I've, we just haven't seen enough from it yet. We have, and I know the first, what the first exhibition game he played 40 minutes, I think. So, like, I think that's Syracuse saying we need to get J.J. time to get used to these new players, get new used to a new team to be around, know what every guy does on the court, where they want the ball, where they're going to be when he drives to the basket. We haven't seen close to the, to the J.J. starring that, that will get come ACC play. When he starts getting more comfortable, he's played all these teams. He knows the conference. So I think that's when he will start becoming even more comfortable is seeing opponents that he's used to. And by then he should be used to his teammates as well.
0: All right, we're gonna take a little bit of a timeout here to get a word from our sponsor. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about the bench. Autry's mentioned he wants to go deeper. We've seen a little bit of that so far, but Syracuse hasn't had its full slate of players available to it. But before we get into that, Christian's gonna take a break and we're gonna get a read from our from our head sponsors.
1: Hi guys. Welcome back to the disembodied voice behind the camera personally guzman here with you as we'll always be here For first of all, make sure you tune into the podcast later tonight This at 8 p.m. on twitch youtube or twitter or wherever you get your plat- uh, Podcast on your platform of choice, but as always we want to thank our sponsor of the podcast home field apparel Your one-stop shop for all your retro syracuse or any athletic program needs what first? What For whatever purpose, earlier this week, uh, Homefield actually dropped their new bomber jacket collection for a bunch of schools, including Syracuse, like the one I am wearing right now. You can go to homefieldapparel.com and use the code Noons23—that's N-U-N-E-S-23 at checkout—to um, get 10% off your very first order of Homefield Apparel. And while you're there, don't be afraid to uh, take a look at some of the other great items they have in stock. Get all your retro Syracuse needs, or any other college program you so decide to support again homefieldapparel.com 10% off uh, off your first order at checkout by using the code nudes23 i think tommy's gonna like a lot of some of the retro stuff that is on um on homefield apparel based on you know you especially you and tommy growing up in the era of some of these
2: logos I love that bomber jacket, Christian. It looks good. You got the auto on there; it does look good. I'm a, I'm a vintage. I had the, uh, went to the Syracuse Pittsburgh game yesterday at Yankee Stadium, and uh, was rocking a, a vintage bomber jacket myself. Very, very
1: nice. Well, you and me enjoyed watching a, a, a vintage football
2: game. Unbelievable! What a game! Just running it down their throat. Literally
0: 1923 Syracuse football was better
2: Literally partied like it was, 19-
1: yes. was, yeah. like it was 1923.
2: <laughs> it was crazy. I they got creative. I like that.
1: And as always, please our praise our Lord and Savior Thunder Dan Valari.
2: Awesome. They've been doing it
0: wrong all season. Did. Dan Valari should have been the starting quarterback, right? That's gotta be the Syracuse fan take.
2: It's gotta be. Right. I mean, that was he had 150 yards rushing as a tight end. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, Garrett
0: Schrader
1: was, you know, was six yards away from being giving Syracuse three 100-yard rushers. That would have been cool. There you
0: go. Thanks for that, Christian. I uh, appreciate that. We'll get back into the basketball talk here. In the preseason, Adrian Ostrich talked about playing deeper. He said he's going to play more than six or seven guys, perhaps even more than that. Given the way that Kyle Cuff and Quadir Copeland have played, thus far. um, And given that Benny Williams is coming back, Tommy, how, how many, how many deep do you see Adrian Autry going into his bench? And does it, does it depend on how well those guys play off the bench?
2: Malik Brown's playing. Uh, Kyle Cuff is playing that guy. He's good. Um, Justin Taylor, Chris Bell, he's playing. There's eight. And Copeland, he's going to get minutes with Benny back. He's going to get minutes. He's going to be, um, he's not going to get as many as he was, he will. he's going to play nine guys, uh, and I think that's going to stick throughout the season. Maybe Khadir or Chris Bell, maybe if he wants to shorten it up one of those guys gets cut out of the rotation, I think Justin Taylor is going to play one way or the other. So I think it's really between Chris Bell, if he just continues to not rebound, doesn't shoot well, what, what does he give you if he's not shooting well? Um, so one of those two guys maybe could find their way out of the rotation come – uh, conference play, but I I don't, I don't think so. I think you'll have Chris Bell shooting well, being a threat, especially with two guys that can get to the rim uh, better than anybody in the country, really. Um, so you need him. You need, even if he's not shooting well, having him standing in the corner to open up the lane for, for Judah and JJ will be of, of value. So uh, I think he's playing nine guys. I think nine guys will play throughout the season maybe a backup center finds their way into a Peter Carey, Munirma, but probably not. So I'm going to go nine.
0: Yeah, that that was my next question. Do we see a third center? Because we're already into the second game here, and the entire forty minutes of center have gone to twenty-two uh, to Malik Brown and eighteen to Naheem McLeod. Do we do we see a third center? Is or is the center rotation just going to be limited to to those two guys on most nights?
2: If it, I think it's going to be matchups like NC State, I, I what Turner's isn't what what DJ Turner Burns, in? DJ Burns, DJ Burns. You're not playing Malik Brown at center against DJ Burns. That guy needs a Munir Hema. Even Peter Carey doesn't really give you the the body you need down there. So I think I think it'll be matchup-based. If you're able to go with Justin Hema Cloud and, and Malik Brown, you do it. But if you have to get a bigger body in there, I think you will see a, a Munir. Maybe if it's a more athletic, taller guy, then you'll see a Peter Carey, who I think has shown showed something. The second exhibition game, I thought he was one of the bright spots from it. He had he, he brings the energy. They'd been saying it throughout the even in the offseason last year before his freshman season. We were hearing this guy's athletic. This guy brings energy. Now he got hurt. So we didn't really get to see it. We've seen a little bit of that to start the season of he does bring some energy. He does bring um, some athleticism to that center position. But I just don't know how how much he'll be able to get on the court really.
0: Yeah, DJ Burns, uh, 6'9", 275 pounds. I I don't know that Syracuse is going to be able to move a guy like that off the block, uh, given what they have at center. So you're going to need some height out there to combat that. And and the like for guys like Armando Bacow or maybe even a Zach Eady in the second round of the Maui Invitational. Syracuse is the only
2: team in the country that can get a taller guy out there to to match up against Zach Eady.
0: Yeah. You, you You know what's interesting? I was looking up. About a potential matchup there still wouldn't be the tallest, too big to go at it in a college basketball matchup. Uh, okay. Maybe this is a trivia time, but do you know? Do you know who it is?
2: Wow, the tallest matchup. Oh man, no, I don't.
0: It would have been Taco Fall the NCAA tournament against Mamadou Inyai, uh in 2015. So if you can think okay. back to that, remember back to that matchup.
2: Was he Washington?
0: Seven, seven foot six. Uh, I don't know. I have to look that up. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it was Washington or not.
2: I think – because they put – that UCF team was the team that almost beat Duke and Zion in, what, the second or third round of the tournament? And then they just – Yeah, that,
0: that would right have been 2019, there. so four years later.
2: But, uh, gotcha. Cer-
0: certainly interesting. Uh, yeah, Two seven foot four guys uh, would not be the tallest head-to-head center matchup, so something to watch for. Wow. Well – We'll transition into maybe some areas of concern in the early season. Uh, Tommy, the, the defense, uh, although has made the shift to man-to-man, it hasn't always looked sharp. Uh, the rebounding, potentially an area of concern. You would think that maybe just the shift uh, from zone to man would solve some of those issues. Uh, but Syracuse has struggled to rebound it a little bit. And both the three-point shooting, and perhaps what ties into the defense is the three-point de- uh, the shooting three- point these early season issues uh what what is most alarming to you uh
2: it's for me it's the offense it's three-point shooting i think
0: none of those okay
2: well so you want defense the issues on defense
0: i was highlighting the three-point line particularly on the defensive end but i i do agree with you i think you know syracuse shot it decent enough in that last game but prior to that syracuse hadn't shot the ball well from the three-point line
2: the defense, yes, has not been great so far. But my thing is, is that in the first game against New Hampshire, that first 10 minutes, they showed a spurt where they can be legit. It was 20, 25-5 or something like that. Like They were just getting up and down the court, turning the ball over. Maybe it was the first exhibition game. But we saw a 10-minute spurt, either the first exhibition game or the first regular season game, where it was like this team – can be good defensively. The perimeter defense was legit. We haven't seen that on offense yet. I don't think we've seen a spurt on offense where you can be like, okay, this is what they can look like when they're at their best. So that's why I'm just not as concerned about the defense as I am with the offense. And I think the rebounding, yeah. Rebounding has been an issue so far. Like you said, man-to-man defense, it'll help there. And Benny, when Benny comes back, the rebounding will be a lot better. You've got a, a guy that's really a shooting guard, small forward, playing your four the last couple of games. Kudir Copeland has helped a lot. He's a pretty good rebounder. 13 rebounds one game. Um, but I think Benny will help the rebounding. I think the three-point defense yeah. will get a lot better. But we saw a spurt where when this team is locked in defensively, they look pretty good. And we just haven't seen that on offense yet.
0: You mentioned the defense. Uh what what have you made of Autry's willingness to shift from zone from the two three to mostly man to man, but still keeping the zone around? We've seen Syracuse go to that, you know, kind of during out-of-bounds under sets yeah. defensively when teams take it out underneath. We've seen him in situations in the first game, like with Judah Mintz had four fouls trying to protect the star player. But for the most part, Syracuse has played man. What what's been your take? On this shift in defensive focus and Autry's willingness to address maybe some of the changes that have occurred in college basketball,
2: it had to be done. They had they had to switch to men. That's just how the game is now. Guys can shoot from three, four feet beyond the three point line. Everybody, you can have five guys out there at a time on offense that can all shoot the three. You, they had to switch to men. We all we had been screaming it. I like that he's still able to, or he's still willing to play it at times. Play from under the basket or out of bounds plays under the basket. I like that. I think there will be points where you get a team that's not a very good three-point shooting team that you can play zone because it is a team that they said it all offseason that is is built for the zone. You've got two athletic long guards. You've got a seven-foot-four center. You've got an athletic forward in, in Benny Williams, and then whoever you want to stick on the other wing. It's a it's a pretty good zone team, but no, it had to be done. They had to switch to man to man. That's just how the game's played now.
1: I think we might have
0: lost you a little bit there. But uh, okay. I, I agree. Um I, I think the the thing that's interesting about this team is that it's built per four two three zone. Uh, when you look at some of the roster additions in and some of the length on the wings, you would think it would be built for the zone, but instead Syracuse is going man under Autry. Uh, cer- certainly a super interesting move. Uh, what do you think the you- connectivity here uh, doesn't experience? I, I agree. Uh, I think it's something that, that had to be addressed. I think when you look at the zone, um, it certainly had its advantages in the early 2000s when maybe you only had to defend one or two shooters out there. Um, but college basketball has changed. You know, like you mentioned, everybody's able to shoot the ball now. Um, and a team like Colgate could come into the the carrier dome or JMA wireless dome and light it up from the perimeter. So I think you have to at least have the option of going to another defense. Uh, Maybe you lose some synergies there with the ability to get, you know, specialize in one thing and get really good at it. Maybe you sacrifice a little bit of that, but I, I think, yeah, you do have to have the option there. Um, of, of addressing maybe a, a matchup or um, a situation where a team gets hot to give them a different look to go, go in a different route. So I, I think there are a lot of intricacies in man to man and ways to defend it that are, more, that are more complicated than maybe we all realize, which is why, you know, kind of in the old era, the Bayheim era, which uh, sounds funny to call it old already, which maybe prevents you from making a seamless shift to having to at your disposal. But no, I, I certainly agree. I, I think you have to have a different defense in your back pocket, um, even one that's
2: man-to-man. So, could you have um, imagined if they had named Autry the head coach and he was like, "Yeah, we're going to still play two-three zone"? Could you have imagined what the fan, what the fans would have been saying about that? That would have been nuts.
0: It would have been an uproar. Uh oh my Especially God. after you've seen what the zone has done the last few years. Yeah, uh, that would have been a tough sell. That would have been a tough sell with the fan Big base. Time. So, Autry, Autry knows what he's doing in that regard. Yeah. Uh, we, we've talked about it a little bit, Tommy. Uh, we know Colgate's up on the docket this week. We're going to skip ahead a little bit here. We're we're in media, so we, we're allowed to do that. We're not on the team. We don't have to take one game at a time. Okay. What do you expect in the Maui Invitational that is probably the best field in the tournament's history, which is going to be played in Honolulu? Uh, but then you get you know Tennessee for Syracuse, uh, Purdue or Gonzaga in that second-round matchup. And on the other side of the bracket, if you don't lose those first two, presumably uh, you're facing Marquette, UCLA, and a game that Kyle Cuff really hopes he gets in Kansas. I don't know if Syracuse will get that game, but he certainly wants it. Uh, what, what do you make of this field, and, and how do you expect Syracuse to perform in the event?
2: Field loaded. Field yeah. is absolutely loaded. It's insane. Ridiculous. But here's the thing. You get to know early what the red area looks like. He's either going to, you either get a punch in the mouth and it's back to the drawing board and okay, guys, it's not, it wasn't as easy as just switching the head coach. We've got to, we've got to make some adjustments here. We've got to, we, the ACC is not going to be as difficult as this, as this tournament. So I agree. Even, if go, I agree. even if you play the seven versus eight against Chaminade, yeah, will that hurt, of course, but I think it could be, I I think this team can recover from it. I don't think if they go one and two or even – oh and three would hurt. Oh and three would be bad. You can't go in three because that means you're losing a Chaminade. you has got to go one and two. Um, if you look good in the first two games, positive, even if you lose the two. There are going to be moral victories in this, unfortunately. I know it's Syracuse basketball. We shouldn't be having moral victories. That's not what the standard – that's where we are right now, especially with teams like you're going to play Tennessee that just won on the road at Wisconsin in the second game of the season. That's impressive. I know Wisconsin's unranked. You go on the road to a team that's going to fill their uh, their gym in uh, November like that. That's a tough matchup. And you went and won by ten. Uh, and then you get Purdue. I like the matchup against Purdue. I like the matchup against Purdue. They have two guards that are smaller than Judah and JJ, less they athletic. Couldn't shoot
0: it. They couldn't the, shoot it last year.
2: They cannot shoot it last year. You're right. And Syracuse. And what FDU, how FDU beat them in the tournament was playing press Syracuse is with Malik Brown at the front of the press. Really good. Malik Brown is unbelievable at the top of the full court press. So if they end up uh, whether Purdue loses wins or loses to Gonzaga, if they end up playing Purdue in the second round, I kind of like that matchup. And then you have McLeod that can actually give size on Zach. Nobody else really in the country can do that. So. Don't hate the matchup against Purdue. If they can steal one of the first two, massive win. If you can w- win either of the first two round games, even if you lose against Tennessee, you're getting a, a huge game in the second round. So if they can win one of the first two, huge. If they look good in either of the first two, good. Really good. But you can't, you can't. If you lose the first two, you've got to obviously you gotta beat Shaman. You gotta come out of here one and two at the very worst.
0: Can't lose the shamanad. No. Uh, Syracuse will put it's undefeated Maui. Tournament right. record on the line. Most recently, winning the event in 2013. Adrian Autry played in the event as well, so that'll be an interesting storyline. Storyline going into that game.
2: I'll say this uh, too about the Tennessee matchup, James. I'm interested to hear what you think. Zakai Ziegler having to guard Judah or JJ is interesting because I he's he's tiny. I know he's a really good defend uh, defensive guard. But both of those guys are good with their back to the basket too. They can back guys down and you know how to use their size. Like you see JJ come off a pick and roll and just shoot over smaller guards. It's not – you probably shouldn't be doing it in, in early season games against New Hampshire and Canisius. Like this should be competition where you're just able to get to the rack. But both of those guys can get to the mid-range and shoot over Ziegler. I, I kind of like that man. Now, Vescovy is another story. He's a good player. He's, he's got – he's a little bit tall. He's about 6'4", 6'5" can really shoot left-handed, which makes it a little funky to guard. But I'm interested to see how Syracuse – like what, what will Tennessee do with Zekai Ziegler? How will Syracuse try to attack Zekai Ziegler? I think there's ways that they can actually go at him and and figure out ways to score over the top of Ziegler.
0: It's an interesting matchup for sure for those, those two guards. And obviously Syracuse's strength is in the backcourt, right? Um, Z- Ziegler is considered one of the best defensive guards in the country, highly touted. Uh, so for that reason, it's, it's a lot of potential upside for Judah Mintz in this matchup to really make more of a national name for himself than maybe he already had last year. Um, uh, I'm interested to, you know, we, we saw sort of glimpses of the, for those who maybe paid attention, uh, Tennessee took down Michigan state in the preseason, um, and a charity exhibition game. Uh, a kid by the name of Dalton Connect really stood out in that game. I think if they kind of go three guard, it, it really makes the return of Benny Williams more important, right? Because you probably don't want to throw Justin Taylor or Chris Bell on a guy like that who can shoot from mid range. He can mix it up inside and run the floor. Uh, so I, I think that's where having Benny Williams back yes. is even more important in the man to man is to guard a guy like that, um, and it doesn't put so much pressure on your other guards to defend. So um, I'm also I think that's going to be a great matchup.
2: Yes, Benny will – I think Benny will be the one to guard him. I'm interested in how they use Qadir Copeland defensively this year. Like, he shows the energy. He shows the dog in him. that Like, he wants to go up against guys. I want to see him – like, can you put Qadir Copeland on connect and just say, we don't need your offense. Go follow maybe, him around and make, make life hell for him.
0: Maybe, but we saw in the first game with, with Daniels, uh, he was able to take Copeland to the lower block and score. Sure. And that's the only area of concern I have for Copeland – God love him, energy, enthusiasm. He probably wants that matchup, right? But down low, I think guys are just going to be able to kind of yes. bang with him and push him
2: out of the way. No, but is Connect that guy? I don't know if Connect is Connect the guy that will go. I don't know if he's low?
0: going to take him down to the block, right. but that's the one area concerned defensively that I might have yes. to help
2: Right, but if there's a four, like if there's a four that's more in the mid range and just trying to shoot over, it, like I would love to see Kudir getting these fours and threes grill and just see what he can do. I we don't. I think he has that in him, but I want to yeah. see. I, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah,
0: that'll be something to watch too. Yeah. All right, uh, Tommy, we'll we'll get you out of here. Uh, we're going to do a couple of our, our shout-outs here at the end, a couple of questions to answer, one of them from you. Uh, yeah. But before we, before we do, uh, where can people find you? Where can Syracuse fans find you? Where can they follow your work?
2: I'm at underscore Tommy Hogan on Twitter. And a lot of the work that I do with the New York Post, you can see on uh, the New York Post Sports uh, YouTube page. I I do a lot of, I've moved to video editing. I used to do a lot of audio editing and radio. I've moved, I do a lot of video editing now. So uh, check out the YouTube page, New York Post Sports. That's where you can see a lot of my work. Interesting.
0: All right, we'll get you out of here, Tommy. Uh, Before we do, yeah, we're going to go into our our shout outs, our mentions here. I put it out on Twitter. Um, So consider this an open invitation to anyone who's listening as well. Uh, if you want, you have a question you want answered on Syracuse Basketball Podcast, hit me on Twitter, at James Zuba, um, and just, just let us know you, you you have a question that you want answered on the show. We'll get to that. First one here from at underscore Tommy Hogan. Right. <laughs> if you had to draw up the perfect media spread, what would it be? Uh, for those of you that might have not been paying attention, the first media spread at Syracuse uh, for the first men's basketball game uh, featured granola, uh, a Twix candy bar, and some Doritos. So uh, we've we definitely got a lot of room for improvement. Uh,
2: James, Tommy you walked into answer. the media room. You walked into the media room, and you saw that at the, at the table. What was your reaction? Take me through. I was it. like,
0: "Thank, thank God, I had a granola bar and like an apple before I came in here, oh. because may, maybe this is amateur hour, but I was expecting a little bit of a spread. You know, a little bit of, a little bit of food."
2: It's the um, first no, really. game of the Adrian Autriera. There should be, and I said it on Twitter, they should have had pasta with red sauce, they should have red velvet cake, whatever you can get red in there. What are we Total doing? Missed
1: opportunity. I'm jumping in here because the Yankee Stadium media spread was wonderful. What was it? <laughs> a buffet style a lot of ballpark food, but you know, your typical good ballpark food, you know, good. hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken fingers, fries, uh, cookies, brownies, and then and then coffee and hot chocolate for the cold the cold day it was beautiful Perfect. but as, as a fellow member of the uh, media spread connoisseur um I, I feel like it's only my place that I must jump in on this conversation
2: as well thank you. take notes Jane a whalerstone what are we I could not believe when you posted that picture on Twitter that that was what they were throwing out the first game I was disappointed. You, oh, you got to think
0: of guys like Jordan who are coming from the studio. He got there oh, late. He wasn't even able to get any of the candy. There was like one granola bar left for the guy. You got to think of guys like Kaposi who are there getting late.
2: Come on. What are we doing? Exactly. I, I could well, not believe it.
0: Uh, Christian, we'll kick it to you first. What, what's your perfect media spread for a game?
1: It's going to be really, really hard to top off when I went to Louisville about a week or so before Thanksgiving and mm. um, little Louisville, This was at Louisville football um, at Cardinal Stadium. They had prime rib; it was incredible.
2: I'll say this: I'll say now it's unbelievable for a media spread. Prime rib, I believe, and I've had is one of the most uh, overrated foods I believe on the planet. Well, Mm. it's overrated if you don't do it right because prime rib,
1: prime rib is a meat that you uh, that has a uh, that has a fickle window yes um but because because my our our family tradition is for you know big holidays and events is to cook a prime rib i am very well versed in a prime rib and you 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 can be damn sure that they do a good prime rib down in louisville it was one of the best media spreads i've ever had um but it, it was full with like other Thanksgiving stuff. So I'm pretty sure there was mac and cheese and uh, mashed potatoes there as well. Um, nice. Maybe even some stuffing, if I remember correctly. Um, but that was, ah, uh, that was so, so good. It, it does hit home a little bit. Uh,
0: I grew up working in my mom's restaurant, and on Sundays, we would have prime rib specials, uh, occasionally going with the, like, a prime rib scampi. I don't know if this is like our own creation. <laughs> prime rib scampi? Wow. That rib sounds scampi good. on top of the prime rib. It
1: sounds wow, intense. Holy It moly. is intense.
0: It's actually, if if you're disgusted by it, I promise you it tastes way better than it might sound. Oh no! Uh, the only thing I don't know rib. is if I could do like a prime rib right before a game and just be digesting like some red meat as I'm watching, you know, plays go by. But uh, that's yeah, that's
2: fair. Prime.
0: prime ribs good. Prime ribs good, man. I don't know about you, Tommy, but prime prime ribs good in my book.
2: I get picky with all the fat. I yeah. don't, like a steak. I, I like steak, but there's a lot of fat on prime ribs, so you get a bad piece or something like that. But it's that's unbelievable fair. for a media spread that that's what they're handing out there. That's awesome.
0: That's fair. Tommy, what's what's your ideal media spread? What's your ideal?
2: Now I thought about this. I put a lot of thought into this, and I got you can now probably understand with my prime rib overrated food. I'm going simple here. Chicken tenders. Give me some buffalo sauce and some barbecue. Now I okay. know finger food. You're going to be on the laptop, maybe taking notes or whatever. So you don't want your thick fi- your fingers greasy and stuff like that. But chicken tenders isn't bad. That's not like that's not too. But you can wipe that off on a napkin. And you're good to go. And then I would say fries, but that does put the grease and the salt on your fingers. You don't want that on your keyboard. So we're going to go okay. with mac and cheese. I'm not a huge mac and cheese guy either, but a little chicken tenders, mac and cheese. that you, That's a great combo for me. Um, maybe you could go mashed potatoes. Christian, you mentioned the mashed potatoes. I like the idea of that. So some sort of side like that, maybe toss in a little corn, but simple chicken tenders. <laughs> macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes a little corn broccoli something like that and we're good to go that's all you just need a little bit of finger food before you go watch a big game and take your notes and whatever because you're gonna be there all night so i know people probably are looking down like uh you're big jays you need your media food you're there all night like jordan like you mentioned is coming from another he's coming from the radio station he's going to the game like he that's his time to eat dinner and he shows up in this granola bar it's like what are we doing
0: yeah, Jordan might not have time to to wipe off his fingers if right. he's eating the you know the, the chicken tenders though. So that might be a problem. <laughs> thing to too. But <laughs> uh, shout out Jordan
2: Composi, great guy. The man miss working with him. Jordan was the best. I bet.
0: Uh I'm pretty basic. You know, just give me like a maybe like a white fish or a, a chicken, you know, some some light protein and get me a vegetable, you know, maybe uh yeah, you know, give me some broccoli and mashed potatoes are good in my book too.
2: Man. You can't so, go fish, Jane. That's like heating up fish in the microwave yeah. at your office. You can't do that kind of fine. a rule, right?
0: Yeah, if it's freshly made, I think it's fine as long as it's not like tilapia or something. If you just get like a like a haddock or a cod or something, I'm I'm good with that. It's I'm not, not a gonna fish stink guy though. Allergies. There's a lot of people. Right. I think
2: there's a lot of non seafood guys too.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, well, you might have some guys with allergies or something in there, but but True. they had the peanut. They had the peanut butter stuff in there, so okay. I don't. I don't know what the consideration is. I don't <laughs> want to draw the lines on this stuff.
2: What have they had since? I saw. Have they? Have they at least answered to the critics for only having granola bars early?
0: Nothing's been said. Oh, unbelievable! Nothing's been said. Well, we'll see. I think the proof will be in the pudding if they uh, up their game for the Colgate game. So
2: they should. You know, yeah, it's a good. huge game. It's a. It's a huge game. Uh, imagine well a what, game.
1: Um, imagine Absolutely. what Louisiana State Press is going to be saying if they come up to the dome and it's right and, and that's the spread that they're creating. Oh then they'll definitely <laughs> no. hear
0: it. It'll be a power five spread for that game. That's that's yes. for sure. That's for sure.
1: All right, we, we got one more
0: on here. It's it's a personal one, Tommy. I'm going to make you stick around for my answer and listen to it, but uh, I like it. That yeah. Scott Sky at five on Twitter, uh, mentioned me and he said, Those of us who are Syracuse grads working in finance, want to know about your fixed income trading. So a friendly reminder from Scott that I need to update my Twitter bio because I've undergone a massive life change in a year, but uh, in the last year. Uh, But yeah, I was a a fixed income trader uh, at the legendary Dreyfus in New York City, now BNY Mellon Asset Management Inc. Uh, Dreyfus, for those who don't know, I'm sure maybe some finance nerds do. Most people probably don't. Uh, is a storied brand in the asset management space. Um, one of the kind of ad originators in the space, where you know in the 1950s, kind of the, the Dreyfus line coming out of Wall Street. Um, you know, the, the the former brand, the former marketing officer sponsored the the lion at the Bronx Zoo. So some some really interesting creative ad plays that were done in, in the space early before anybody else did. Um, And I I had a job um, out of school as a credit analyst, working closely with with the trading desk. I covered the GSEs, which are Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, pretty boring stuff, Um, but expanded into subsovereign. So I covered the Canadian provinces, um, also went into the corporate sector. So I covered uh, investment grade technology like Apple, Oracle, IBM, some of those names. And then uh, a spot opened up on the trading desk. I feel like I worked my whole life to get in that damn seat, but uh, I did that for four years. Kind of boring. Um, We traded mostly United States treasuries, agencies, uh, commercial paper deposits, and repo, um, which is short for tri-party repurchase agreements. It's a lot of boring stuff. Um, For those who don't know, I'm not going (laughs) to get into the lingo and explain it. And, you know, we like during COVID, we did um, like bilateral reverse repo into the fed like th- these are like technical terms that nobody cares but it's boring fixed income products um it, it was a professional honor to, to trade at dry fist i just ended my career there in august uh and made my way back home to syracuse from now a national grid guy doing financial reporting so much much happier with the life change but
2: you just uh, spoke another language what's that you just spoke a whole nother language
0: yeah like for the finance people who who you know, maybe you're in this space. will understand it for most people. They probably won't. Um, but yeah, just, just a traded bonds. Um, you know, it's hard to, to get into like the minutia without getting too technical, but yeah, I was on a bond trading desk in New York city and it was, it was an honor to work there. I feel like I worked my whole life for it and it was hard to give all that up after COVID, but had some family considerations and some other things. And, you know, some lesser considerations, Tommy, like I'm sure you're experiencing like, I just want to like buy a home in around the New York City area. It's expensive. Not that I yeah. couldn't have like cut it out for another couple of years. But, you know, home was calling. I had some family stuff come up and um, being around friends and family. There's there's nothing like it. So
2: um, you miss work. That, you miss a city.
0: I do. Um, I'll always love it. I'll always miss it. A, a funny thing happens like, you know, I, I don't think I'm unique in, in this regard where like in COVID, we all kind of reassessed our life station and what we want and how we want to spend our lives and that sort of thing. And I was really like proud of what I accomplished, but I was like, I just, I miss home. I miss my people. You know, it's so important to like have a tribe and feel like you belong and that sort of stuff. So I'll I'll always miss New York. It was like an amazing way to go through my twenties. I don't regret it at all. And I'll be back down to visit. But as I think about the rest of my life, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be on. I'm Good. I'm, Syracuse, I'm a Syracuse guy, you know. So. Oh, I feel it. Um, I get I'm it. Feeling, you know, are you definitely. you you're enjoying the city? You're going to be down there forever. What do you think?
2: I might be. I like yeah. it a lot. I miss Syracuse. I'm a Syracuse guy. Obviously, we talked about it to start the show, but I love it down here. I think it's a lot of fun. A lot of my friends are down here. My girlfriend's down here. I love it. I've yeah. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Happy for you, man. That's uh, Appreciate it's definitely a great too. place awesome. to be. Especially if you're a young professional, it's it's a great place to be. So. Um, If any other finance guys want to talk to me off on the side, feel free to message me. Um, You know, I I would just say, too, if anybody has a question they want on the show, uh, hit me on Twitter at James Zuba and just just let us know you want to you want to have a question asked for the show and we'll get to it. Um, Tommy, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, Anything anything else we didn't get to any questions we didn't ask anything else you think we should throw out there?
2: I've got a question for you before we go. Okay if you could snap your finger and improve or fix one thing about this Syracuse basketball team, what would you do? And snap your finger and boom, it's fixed.
0: I think it's the rebounding. Um, you know, maybe wow. it's not, maybe it's not the biggest issue, but I think the defense right now, it'll get better. Yep. Um, but to only, you know, to tie Canisius on, on the boards at 37 apiece, like, I, I think they can do better. Um, maybe Benny Williams will solve some of those issues, but yeah, I, I think it's the rebounding, man. I think, Three point shooting, if they can just do it well enough, they'll have enough there offensively to get it done. But they, they have to be able to close out defensive stops. I think that's really important.
2: Three point shooting might be the one for me if we're being honest. Like if yeah. Judah and JJ were really were good three point shooters, just imagine how how much better they would be on offense. And the offense, I think, is the biggest concern. At least what has been the concern for me so far. But that's interesting. I think I think yeah. rebound is definitely a concern. How who knows how long McLeod can actually play? How many minutes he can give you a game? Yeah. you have been willing to play him like twenty minutes a game, yeah. Um, and then, but Be- I do think Benny will help, but who knows how much really? But I think yeah. I, 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 the, the rebounding is definitely a concern.
0: I, I hear you. I think if you know Justin Taylor and Chris Bell, we know that they can shoot. If they can get two, you know, one or two threes a game from Judah Mintz, like last game, that's good. Sure. Kyle Cuff looks like he's good for maybe one or two again, too. So he does. Uh, I think he's up there offensively, but I but I hear you on the three point shooting. I, I think that could be something to watch going forward.
2: Before the season, Chance Westry was my guy of like, let's keep an eye. Like, I think this guy we're not talking enough about him. It's yeah. Kyle Cuff now for me. I don't yeah. think we're talking enough about. Him. He's a legit guard off the bench, and they haven't been afraid to play three. Who knows what they'll do in ACC play? But if they need to get, if they need to play like. Justin Taylor and Chris Bell aren't playing well. I don't think they're afraid to play the three guards at a time. So I think he's a sneaky player that can really impact this team.
0: I agree. I think he'll be really good on the other side of the floor, too. Yes.
2: Basically. Yes. So,
0: uh, thanks. Yeah, Tommy, thanks for coming in. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Christian, for for those listening, uh, where, where can they find us? I know they can find us live, but, you know, where else? YouTube. Yep. Podcast, if, you're,
1: if you're watching live, first of all, thank you as always for watching live on the Twitch, YouTube and Twitter spaces. Just search up Disloyal Idiots. It's Disloyal Underscore Idiots on Twitter and then Disloyal Idiots on Twitter youtube and twitch as well the normal pod goes live at 8 p.m on sunday nights so that's in a couple of hours as myself steve howard and andy pregler will rate and rant about the latest syracuse athletics news and you can bet we'll be talking about why you're starting back doing a backflip may not be the most ideal thing but somehow that worked um, but you'll get to hear that later tonight, but you can get the, uh, Syracuse basketball podcast into this little idiots podcast on any of your po- podcast platforms of choice, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you're get your pa- platforms. And when you get there, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and leave a comment so that we can trick the algorithm into expanding to go to Ottoman empire.
0: All right, that should do it. Uh, thank you guys all for tuning in to a Syracuse basketball podcast. Uh, for Tommy Hogan and Christian de Guzman, I'm James Zuba.
1: Take care. Nice.